Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berhini from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to talk about tug of war. And the reason that we're going to talk about this is because Laura and I have slightly differing views. I don't think they're so different, by the oh, way. Oh, we're going to have a big old cat fight? No, I don't think they're different. I think, though, that I am, by and large, not in favor of people playing tug of war with their dog. And it really doesn't have to do with the fact that you can't play tug of war in a healthy way. You can. I think that a lot of times when people get involved in tug of war, it is just that. It is what the words imply. It is tug of war. It is a competitive thing, and I think it's competitive for people. However, it can also be used for training, and it can be used to help a dog learn about impulse control. I don't like to do it. I don't enjoy doing it. I don't enjoy the game. All of my dogs will tug, and they will all let go if I ask. They will all tug, and if I let it go, they will all bring it back and play the game with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't enjoy it as a game, and I don't use it very much as a training technique. And I don't like to see it a lot in my clients unless it's been taught in a controlled manner. I know you teach it to your clients. Yes. And so we decided today to talk about this. Mostly for Laura to explain it, and I'm going to push her for the details. Because here's the thing about it. I didn't want to talk about tug-of-war and leave anybody with a question of, yes, it's okay to play this, and leave them with any questions about the parts that are unhealthy versus the parts that are healthy. The parts that can be used to cause a problem with dogs. Tug-of-war is used by people who are teaching bites to deepen a bite. Right, it's definitely because you're teaching the dog to hold on, to grab a hold and not let go. And, and struggle to hold on, and struggle. There mm-hmm. is a struggle to hold on against pressure. Right. And so it does teach a dog to deepen a bite. So it can be a very negative thing. And people who play dogs uh, tug-of-war with their dogs can be encouraging a type of competitiveness that can lead to a bite. But it can also be used as a training technique, which is how you use it. Right. It's a great control exercise. But I want to preface it by saying that I do not teach tug-of-war to dogs that are resource guarders. Okay. Resource guarders from their people. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of dogs that are really prevalent resource guarders, that they guard everything, then then it becomes a fight for the toy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, now the toy is mine. Mm-hmm. And I've actually only run into that situation once. Where, I mean, I've had it, I've had it before with dogs that were, you know, resource guarders about food bowls or whatever, but not about their toys. But I actually did have one dog that I started off playing and it quickly turned into, oh, oh, he thinks we're fighting for the toy now. And so that, that's the only time it happened, but I don't teach it to dogs with that resource guard. Okay. Okay. But for the most part, my rules are you start the game, you stop the game. The dog never puts his teeth on you, and the dog always gives it up when you say. Okay, so... Let's go over each of those individually. So I'm going to do this like an interview, if you don't mind. So we start the game. What does that mean? That means that the dog doesn't come up to you with a toy and go, hey, let's play. Let's play that game and shove the toy in your hand, you know, or at you and go, come on, we're playing tug of war. Start, you know, muzzle punching you with the toy in his mouth, that kind of stuff. What I mean is that you have a specific tug of war toy that you keep on a shelf somewhere in a cabinet or a drawer you pull it out you have the dog sit or lie down or do something for you and then 
then you can play tug. So like with my dog, Petey, I play tug with him with a ball on a rope. And I'll bring it out and I'll take it out in the backyard. I'll have him sit or lie down. I'll throw it. He goes and gets it. He brings it back to me. So he's also doing a retrieve. And then we play some tug of war. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the reason that you wouldn't have somebody... The, there's a reason that you wouldn't say to somebody that the dog can bring the toy over to you and say, hey, come on, let's play tug. Let's talk about that for a second. Or why don't you talk about that? Well, because that's the dog being pushy. That's the dog making the rules. That's the dog saying, I want to play, I want to play now, and I can convince you to do it. Because a lot of people don't realize that it's pushy. A lot of people go, oh, my dog wants to play with me. I'm so thankful he wants to play with me. Mm-hmm. And in addition, I would think if you're starting a game that is kind of adrenaline-based, like tug of war, having the dog call the shots from the beginning would be a little is, bit right. productive, especially right. if you're using it for an impulse control. Right. And I would rather start the game when the dog is lying down taking a nap. Mm-hmm. I don't want the dog running around. I'm not going to have my see my dog running around in the backyard and go, oh, now would be a really good time to play tug of war. Right. I'm going to play with him with that kind of game when he's lying down not wanting to play. Right. And then, okay, so let's go to the next thing. You end the game. What does that mean, that you never let the dog take it from you? Well, no, I'll let him, I'll let go of it. Mm-hmm. I won't, I mean, if I think... he rips it out of, well, if he rips it out of my hands, I go, no, bring it here. And he brings it right back to me and I can, and I can put my hands on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I, I end the game, meaning I then tell him to give, tell him he's a good boy, pat him on the head, and turn around and walk away with the toy. Because I think a lot of people hear the words, you end the game, and they think, oh, well, the dog can never get it away from you. Right. I'll let him get it. I'll let go of it, and he'll take a victory lap around the, you know, around the yard, maybe shake it up, beat himself upside the head with a rubber ball a couple of times, and then come back to me and go, that was fun. Come on, let's play again. He'll put it in my hand. I'll tell him give. He, he drops it. I tell him to sit or lie down, and we start the sequence over again. I do want to say that when we are playing tug, I play tug down low. All four of his feet are on the ground, and I'm making big, giant side-to-side sweeps. I do not play tug-of-war with his front feet coming off the ground, especially this dog. Which is because? Because I don't want him coming up in my face. I don't want him getting into a high state of arousal and coming up at me. I talked to a trainer. Actually, I had a client that was referred to me by another trainer who says, oh, yeah, well, we were taught to play tug-of-war in her classes, um, but only up and down, not side-to-side. And I thought, why is that? Because then the dog is jumping up, he's putting his front feet on you, he's coming up, he's getting aroused, and he's coming up in your face. And did you find out why it was that she thought that was best? Yeah, I talked to her about it. And what did you And she said, well, because because the side-to-side is a killing motion. I said, but, you know, tug-of-war is a game of you cooperating with the dog. And I would rather have that going side to side where you have a lot more control than the dog coming up in your face. And then, because most most of the time when people, when they say give and they take the toy away from the dog, where do they take it? They bring it up high to their chest. Mm-hmm. And then the dog goes, oh, we're still playing that game, and jumps up at you and takes it. Yeah, I have to say that a very good friend of mine who also handles my dog in agility, one of my dogs, because he picked him up when I was having some pretty bad health problems, he um, lets the dog come up. We have a toy specifically. I mean, the rules are very similar to what you do. But he lets the dog, on a, on a release word, mm-hmm. lets the dog jump up and grab the toy kind of midair. And I hate it yeah. so much. And a lot of it is for that reason. It is their relationship and it is their game. But I, in general, I hate the game. Mm-hmm. I just hate the game because of that. And that is the part that bothers me about it. But let's just go into that just a little bit deeper, if you don't mind. I'm going to ask a few questions. So... 
let's say if I'm playing tug with my dogs, which I don't do very much, but on the occasions that I do, for me, and I realize that this isn't necessarily part of your protocol, but I'm just curious. For me, when I give up a toy, and mm-hmm. this is a, an idea for people, I will say, take it, and I'll let go of it all of a sudden. So it's very clear that I've actually let go in a voluntary fashion as opposed to them tugging it out of my hand. Um, and that's one way to convey that. But if right. you were playing tug yeah, I think I do the same thing. Do I don't you? know that I do it consciously, but I would, I would bet that I do. I mean, thinking about it, I don't think I just let go. And I also cheer the victory or, lap. Do you absolutely, do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, so that I'm still part of it. So the dog isn't out there running around by himself. I go, yeah, go get it. Okay, go run, run, run. I mean, I'll even clap my hands and me encourage too. them. Go, and go, if go, they go. turn back, yeah, if yeah. they turn around and come back to me, no, no, go run, go, 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 go. You know, and I'll make them go run. Right. And also, I when I give them the toy, like let's say they sit or they down or whatever, and I go to hand them the toy to play tug, I hand it down low. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want them to jump up and grab it. And part of that is because... When I turn around and walk away with a toy, mm-hmm. I don't want them to jump up and grab it and think that they can convince me that the game is still on. Right. Anything that is in my hand is an extension of my body. They have no right to jump up and grab that any more than they do to jump up and grab my sleeve. So when you are going to offer the toy to them to play, do you use, a, again, some kind of verbal? Yeah, I say no. get it. Yeah, so much. Okay, and then let's say that you're playing tug of war, back, 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 because you hit on this very briefly but i just want to go over this again so we're mm-hmm. talking about not but we're talking about letting the dog sometimes get it and do the victory lap mm-hmm. so you're playing tug playing tug playing tug all of a sudden the dog tugs it out of your hand that's not a time you would do a victory lap am i no, right that's right. at a po- moment where you would call him back in and say come on let's keep up with the game yes let's keep going with the game yeah right because you can see that that fosters cooperation and mm-hmm. i think that that's one of the places that people maybe go off the mark a little bit is they either never let the dog have it or the dog finally gets it away and they take that out as an opportunity for the dog to go away. That's how people got it in their heads that you never let the dog get it. Right, and win. I think, because that's what I hear most out of people's mouth, is you never let the dog win. If you're going to play tug of war, don't let the dog win. And I have to convince them that it's not about winning and losing. Well, it is if the dog grabs it out of your if, hand, yeah. tugs it out of your hand, and then takes off and keeps and plays keep away. Then there is, in the dog's mind, a little bit of I want it. It's certainly the way that they relate to one another. And the way to around that idea is not to say, I'll never let the dog have it. Mm-hmm. It's to control that. Right. Because also, if you never let the dog have it, then that makes it more valuable. And it makes it that when the dog does rip it out of your hand, he's more likely to hang on to it. Right. Whereas if you go, all right, get it. Go run, run, run. You're saying it's not that valuable. Go run around and play with it on your own. But you'll see that you can't play tug of war without me. You have to come back to me eventually. Right. And it does then keep it at a cooperative level. Mm -hmm. And I think that then we should name it something tug instead of tug of war because it then becomes a cooperative game of tug as opposed to a tug of war. Right which is one of the ways that one of the problems that I have right. with it is that it's so easy to let it slip into not a cooperative game. So what we're doing right now is we're outlining how to keep it a cooperative game. Right. And I think, you know, it's interesting because when you keep certain words out of it, it just changes the attitude completely. You keep win out of it. You keep war out of it. I think you're right. And because if we keep those things out, do you play tug? And that's usually actually what I ask my clients. Do you play tug with your tug with your dog? I don't usually say tug of war. I don't think. Right. I think I just say, do you, do you play tug with your dog? Right. Well, and that's great. And you know what? I'm not worried about your clients playing because <laughs> I know that you teach them all this stuff. And that's why I wanted to do this in a separate podcast because I wanted to really give a clear view. When you go work with your clients, you're clear about all of these concepts. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to talk about it in a very, you know, light 
manner, just kind of skipping over the detail. But the devil's in the details in this one. And also, most people, not most people, but many dogs do not have a problem playing the actual tug game. What they have a problem with is the actual giving it up. So let's talk about that. Okay. What I do is I prefer not to use the words drop it. Partly because when we tend to say drop it, we go drop it. We're, we're, having, we're having fun with our dog and then we start a fight. Just from the tone of our voice, we go drop it. We're instantly increasing the value of the toy. Whereas and that if depends we go, on the person, by the way. It does. But, you know, for the most part. I mean, it, I say drop. Right, you say drop, but it's for some reason when you add it to the end of it, mm-hmm. it becomes more serious. And so that's why I say give or mine. It's hard to say those in, mine is a little more difficult to say mine in a n- nice voice. I mean, it's easier to say it in a not so nice voice. Give is usually nice. It's hard to say, you know, roughly. Mm-hmm. And so I say give and they give and then I'll have them do something. But what I was saying. Wait, no, wait a minute. Go on to that. Please what? talk about that. You say give, and then you'll have them do something. What do you mean do by something. that? Well, I'll make them sit, or I'll make them lie down, or again, I'll make them work for it before I play tug some more with them. I see. Okay. But what I was saying is that a lot of dogs don't have a problem with the actual tug part. What they have a problem with is the give part. So what I have to, because of course, we all do things that are more reinforcing for us. And so if the dog plays tug really well, but doesn't give very well, we tend to avoid the give part. And we tend to just play the tug. Mm-hmm. And the longer we play tug, the more aroused the dog is going to become. Mm-hmm. The more difficult it's going to be for him to actually give up the toy. Right. So the dog doesn't need help playing tug. He doesn't need practice playing tug. So what we'll do is we'll practice the sit and then two seconds of tug and then give. And then down and then two seconds of tug and then give. So we're getting more gives in there than we are the actual tug. And this is an important distinction, I think, because these things that we talk about that you're working against, that you're not doing, are the things that actually create tug as a bad game. Because mm-hmm. it, it can be a very destructive thing if it's done incorrectly. And so what you just said really is, look, your dog, if your dog doesn't have a problem with the tug part, then that's not where you should be putting the emphasis. Right. You should put the emphasis on the rest. And then the tug becomes a reinforcement in a fun way to actually reinforce the whole give thing, right? right? And that's really important. And then after every give, you ask for a behavior. And that Absolutely. is and that is because well, because he has to work for it. He, because tug is the reward, and so he has to he's working. See, so he's okay, but let's make the distinction. He's not working for what he just did, he's working for the next round. Yeah. Yes. So because when you say he's working for it, it it being what? It being the next round of right. tug. So let's okay. say you're ready to end the game, okay, mm-hmm. in that vein of what we're talking about, and you do that final give where you don't intend it to give it back to him. At that point, you don't ask him for a behavior? No, I might ask him to sit, and then I might, you know, if he does it or lays down or whatever, I ask him to do that, I might say, good boy, and I might give him a treat and say, okay, we're all done. But you're going to reinforce that, even if it's yeah. not reinforced with play. You, I know this, okay. and you know this. So quit talking like Sorry. we're having a trainer talk, and let's we're trying to we're trying to develop a right. concept for people who are listening. And so right. I just want it to be really clear right. that then the idea is at the at the end of that game, you are still going to ask for a behavior, but make sure that you have another reinforcer. Yes, because you're not going to because every time that you've asked for that behavior in between, it's been for the next round of play. Yes, and so on that last one where you take that final 
give, that final drop, whatever it is that your, is your release word, and you take that from him, and you ask him from a behavior, you still have to reinforce that behavior. Yeah, You're I just still not going to reinforce it with the play. With right. The game. Yes. Okay. And usually I'll ask for a control behavior, mm-hmm. like a sit or a down or something calm. Even though I've been asking for the, for those, you know, in between, mm-hmm. I could have also been asking for a go to your spot mm-hmm. and then like click and he comes to me and then we play tug or a spin and then click and then he, then we play some tug. So it's not always a control like a sit or a down, a calm type behavior. But I also do want to cover how to get a dog to give because mm-hmm. a lot of dogs won't actually give it up. Okay, but before you do that, yes. forgetting that I'm a trainer and not giving me that look you've been giving me. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> forgetting that I'm a trainer. I don't have my trainer. glasses on. I'm, that must be... <laughs> I'm squinting, I think. So let's say that some people at the end of that go, good boy, good boy, good boy, have them get the last control move and then throw the toy and then turn around and walk away and leave the toy with the dog. Well, that wouldn't be... What's your feeling on that? Well... Let's talk about that. I think... Well, there there are a couple of things to that. Mm -hmm. I think, number one, to keep the tug toy special and to keep it that you have control over it, you don't want to let the dog then have it at the end. Right. But also, you know what? I have a problem with throwing a toy out in the yard and then the dog going to get it and turning around to come back to you and you're gone. I have a problem with that. I don't know why. It bothers me. It's like I tricked my dog or something. You know, it's like, here, go get it. So even if I had a a toy in my pocket, let's say I'm playing tug with my dog with something, and then I have a tennis ball in my pocket, and I tell the dog to give, the dog gives, and I say, good boy, and I'm getting ready to to end the session, so I'm going to take the tug toy with me. I'm not then going to have the dog do something, throw a toy, and walk away when the dog has his back turned. Well, and let's just cover that a little bit specifically. It depends. If you've taught the dog that when you throw it and you ask him to go get it, that's when you're asking him to go get it. Mm-hmm. Then if you threw it and didn't say anything, it would be clear that you weren't asking him to go get it. If you have just taught your dog that every time you throw something in his presence, he's going to go out, get it, and bring it back to you, right? then I agree with you it leaves the wrong impression. So it depends on how you've worked with your dog in the past. I I actually wouldn't leave the toy out there for the first reason you said, which is that it then robs it of its specialness. If right. it's down all the time, then it ceases to be our tug toy and becomes just a toy that sometimes we pick up and play tug with. But if you have a dog, like my dogs, I definitely will throw something and not necessarily pick it up when they bring it back. The only time I will take it from them is if I ask them to go get it. So if I throw something into the yard and I say right. get it, then if they bring it back to me, I definitely will pick it up and throw it back. And so they do <laughs> bring it back. Right. But I might throw something in the yard, not say get it, and they could chase it all they want. I'm not going to take it from them when they bring it back to me. I don't necessarily, just because I throw something, want my dogs to bring it back to right. me. Right. But if you're playing with a dog individually, like I said, I have a problem walking away from him when if we've been interacting and then I throw something, and even if I tell him to go get it, I'm not then going to turn my back and have me gone when he comes back. I just think that's not fair. Do you see what I'm getting at? Well, I, just, I do, but I... Because I again, want the dog to come back and go, hey, where'd you go? I thought we were playing. Well, I do, but again, for me, it just depends. It depends on how you taught your dog and what the cues are. But we're not going to get stuck in that. You know, it, it really depends on how you... A lot of these things, the rules that we come up with for our own dogs, just are specific to the way that we train our dogs. Mm-hmm. If I... My dogs know if I throw something. Even if I've been playing a game with them, if I throw something and I don't specifically say I'm still playing, that is the end of the game. I will let them know if I'm still playing by saying, get it <laughs> right. or bring it, whatever it is that I want to want to send them out for. So it just depends. If I turn around and walk away at that point, that's not any less fair than me turning around walking away at any point because it's just the end of the game. But here's the thing. If you, 
for my dogs. Okay, that's the way my dogs were trained. Your dogs. But are you talking multiple trained. dogs out in the yard, though? I mean, if Even I had if it multiple was one. dogs. Even okay. if it was one. Okay. Like, let's say I have a pine cone. I'll, I will also throw it and say, leave it. If I have a pine cone and we're out in the park and we're playing with a pine cone and they're bringing it back and we're playing the game and we're having a lot of fun. This is off of the subject of, of um, tug, but I'm just going to say it. And I'm throwing the pine cone and we're playing. And then I decide, okay, I'm all done. I might say, leave it and turn around and walk away from the pine cone laying on the ground. I also might throw it and say, leave it. I also might just throw it and just turn around and walk away because if I'm not saying go get it, mm-hmm. I'm done with the game. So he can play with the pine cone. He can go get it and he can run around and play with it if he okay. wants to. He can go take his victory lap and do whatever he wants to do. I'm out of the game. I've, I've checked myself out. I've brought myself out of the game. And it's no less fair than checking out of a game in any other way right. because my dogs have, lo- have learned those cues. But let's get back to Tug because that's what we were doing okay. here. So you specifically wanted to talk about teaching your dog to give the toy up. Right. Well, when I'm actually tugging with my dog, mm-hmm. I've got a smile on my face. I'm happy, happy, happy. There's no aggression there at all. There's no, I'm telling him by my body language, by my facial expression, we are playing. This is a happy, easygoing game. Because if I play tug and my face is really serious, then I could end up being the one to start to fight. And so when you you counsel your clients and you're telling them to play – when they're playing tug, you that's one of the things, the pieces of advice you give them, Absolutely. right, is to keep your facial expression soft. Remember to stay soft in your demeanor. Yes, and your voice is nice and happy. Yay, get the toy, get the toy. And I'll even have them, like, play tug with the one hand and pet the dog with the other hand while they're playing tug mm-hmm. so that I can touch you. Because a lot of dogs, as soon as you touch them, they let go of the toy. Mm-hmm. So I, I work on that. Look, I can touch you. Just one little touch every few seconds or something mm-hmm. so that you end up, you know, so that it ends up, look, I can touch you and play with you and pet you and, you know, while we're playing tug of war. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm going to try to grab you and pull you off of the toy. Mm-hmm. And then I say... When which, I... which, let's just go there for a second. Mm-hmm. So that's a really important thing to say because if you are going to reach out and touch your dog when you're playing tug, it's really important that you keep it a kind and not controlling move. It's really important that you reach out and not pull to make that part of that arousal game. Right. And also I don't touch the dog from the shoulders forward usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, once a dog really knows it, then I can touch him anywhere. Right. But if you touch the dog from the shoulders forward, he might grab a hold even tighter because now he thinks you're coming after That's the right. toy. That's right. And also in long, slow strokes. I'm not going to pet him really happy, happy, and get him more stimulated. Right. Because that tactile of, is, is yes. going to get him even more stimulated. So I'll, you know, be moving back and forth, side to side, not back and forth like away from me and towards me. I mean side to side, and I'm petting him long, slow strokes from the shoulders back. Okay. Okay. And then so the next thing you're moving on to is getting the dog to release. Right. And so what I'll do is I will reach into my pocket or up on a counter or behind me wherever I have a pile of food, and I'll say, give in a nice tone of voice, and I stop moving. Because regardless of what comes out of my mouth, if my body is still trying to, if my hand is still trying to pull the toy out of the dog's mouth, my body is still saying tug of war. My body is still is still playing tug. Mm-hmm. So I will say, give, stop moving, pull out the food, put it at you the dog's nose. You will say give, and you will stop moving. <laughs> yes. I'll say give, stop moving, and then take the food and put it at the dog's nose. And just wait. And most of the dogs are going to go, wait, I smell something really good. And in order to take the treat, he's going to spit out the toy. Right. And so I'll smell, I'll, I'll smell it. Yes, I will smell the food. <laughs> I'm, 
Well, hopefully you've I'll got something it. so smelly you can smell yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't take a exactly. dog nose yeah, to not do a, it. Yeah, not a milk bone <laughs> especially when you're, really hard. Right, you know? especially I'm when you're first teaching. It's got to be something really cool. Right, yeah. right. Something soft, hot dog, string cheese, yeah. something that smells really good and that's easy for the dog to eat. And I'll put it at the dog's nose, wait for him to get interested, and then I'll move it a couple of inches away. Mm-hmm. And then when he lets go of the toy to take the food, I move the toy behind my back. And give him the And treat. give him the treat. I don't just leave the toy there so that the dog can grab the food and then immediately latch back onto the toy. Mm-hmm. And give him the treat and tell him how great he is. Absolutely. Tell yeah. him what a good boy he is. Yay, yay, yay. Pet him, pet him, pet him. And then make him sit or lie down or spin a circle, give me five, whatever. And, and then, then we play again. Start the game. Right. right. It's really important because the way, the reason I keep pushing this distinction is the way that you the way that you're talking about this. I know how you're seeing it in the head, your head because I'm a trainer too. Right. But you keep ending with the and then I'll make them do a control and actually the, or a movement of, mm-hmm. of some kind of behavior and actually that behavior is just the prelude to the next game. Yeah, that's, that's what earns him the, the next, next game. The next game of tug. So it's not the end of that exercise; it's the beginning of the next one. Right. The end of the exercise was the treat and the good, 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 good. Yes. Right, and then you start the game over again by asking him for a behavior and then going back into the, the thing. And like I said, when if I have a dog that really that really likes to play tug and you have a harder time letting go, I'm only going to go going to do like sit. All right, get it. Tug, tug, tug. Give. And use a really, really valuable food, so that he's not tugging and tugging and tugging and tugging and getting more and more and more amped up. Now, occasionally you work with a dog that's more into the toy than he is the food. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about how you do that. Use a lesser value toy and higher value food. Wait a minute. But sometimes you t- you work with a dog that's really into the toy mm-hmm. and not into food. Okay. Not into food. Not just not into that food. Not into food. Mm-hmm. There is a way to work with it. Even if you have a dog that would never give up a toy for food, and I've met dogs like that. I've yeah. even worked with dogs like that. There is a way to deal with a dog that's real into the toy and doesn't and is not into the food, wouldn't give up the toy for food. It doesn't matter you if you could use were... two toys. That's right. So use so I would tug with the lesser value toy and use the a little higher value toy for the reward. And so take us visually through that. What I would probably do because the thing is to reward a dog with a toy, what's he gonna do? Reward he's either going to retrieve or fetch. Mm-hmm. Retrieve or fetch. Okay, he's either gonna retrieve or <laughs> Or tug. So, yes, retrieve or fetch. I was having a hard time with that, but I was going to go with it anyway. I was going to roll with it. Can you say synonym? (laughs) Um, So what I would probably do Mm -hmm. is I would probably – actually, I would probably use two equal value toys. Mm -hmm. Because if I reward with a higher value toy, I'm going to have a harder time getting – I'm going to have a harder time getting the reward toy back. Right. So I'd probably use two equal value toys. So, like, let's say a dog really likes tennis balls. I'd play tug-of-war with a tennis ball on a rope and then probably get him to fetch the tennis ball to come back. Right. And so the way that you would go about that is you have the dog, you've said give, you've stopped your all your body movements mm-hmm. so that the dog knows that you are no longer participating in the tug game. Yes. Then you pull out the other toy and you toss it? No. What I think I, I think I would sh- because there's no guarantee the dog's going to go after it. I mean, right. geez, he's got a he's got a ball in his mouth. Why should he let go of it to go get the other ball? Right. Some dogs might just from the movement alone, but a lot of dogs won't. Right. You know, a bird in the hand, right? Right. Ball in the hand, ball right. in the mouth. Right. Anyway, so I would probably show it to him, get him to let go of the tug toy, and then throw it. 
Right. And then, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, the, in that the case, it would be it really, really depend yeah. on the dog and the situation, but I would find a way to manipulate it. Well, that's what I, why I'm going through the scenarios with people or uh, with you on this though, because I think that people who are going to do this at home, this is one of those rare instances where we're actually going through a, a whole protocol, a whole, mm-hmm. because if you're going to have people do something that has the potential to cause negative, mm-hmm. I think that you have to explain every little detail in the way that it is done properly right? and how you would go about it and all the contingencies. So right. if you had a dog that you went still, you told them to give, you then went completely still with your body language, letting them know, I'm not playing tug with you anymore. You pulled out that toy. Some dogs would go, I have one in my mouth. I don't need one in your hand. You might need to throw it. And that movement would actually be what would make him release. Right. And even if you didn't throw it, because then once it's across the yard, what do you do if the dog still doesn't let go? What am I, what I might do is bounce it. Okay. That's a good idea. Bounce it and then, and then grab it and bounce it and grab it. Cause if you have a dog that's holding onto the tug of war toy that hard, mm-hmm. then when you bounce it and then you pick it up again, mm-hmm. then it's going to become kind of a competition for the dog. And he's going to, well, the next time you bounce it, I bet I can get it first. Right. So then I'm going to bounce it. He's going to he's going to let go of his toy, and then I'm going to grab a hold of it. Good boy. I might even have him sit before I throw the toy. Right. Before I throw the ball. And, by the way, there are is the very occasional dog, and it does happen, where maybe you're going to have a dog that once he gets that in his mouth, it's going to be really, really, really hard to ever let him give it up. Right. So I would probably use a toy that he can't grab a hold of. like a so- I wouldn't use a soft toy like a rope or something that he can really dig his teeth into. I would probably use something harder that he really can't dig his teeth into that all I have to do is just turn it in a certain way and it might become a little uncomfortable for him or rattle around on his teeth a little bit and it's going to make him spit it out. Right. And then really heavy, 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 heavy duty reward him. Hugely, hugely Absolutely for any kids. Yeah. Right. And there is the occasional dog that doesn't like to to tug that doesn't like to have something in their mouth and a lot of it's because like you can see them playing by themselves but as soon as you try to get involved they they let go of the toy and a lot of it's because they're intimidated i mean a lot of it's really timid dogs and so what you can do in that case is you can get one of those cat toys on a fishing pole and they make them for dogs that have little fuzzy squeaky toys on the end and you sit on the floor and you kind of turn your back or your side to the dog and kind of move it around like you would a cat until they are able to grab a hold of her, they put their foot on it or something. Because that way it's less intimidating. Because mm-hmm. when you think about it, when you're playing tug with the dog, you're facing the dog. You're Most of the time you're leaning over the dog. Mm-hmm. And that's really intimidating for a dog. Right. So if you take yourself out of the picture a little bit, then you can get the dog to, to play some tug. Okay. Well, I think uh, this has been very instructive. And I think um, the thing that I, again, want to end with, because you know me, I have to have the last word, is I'm trying to get people to realize tug of war can be a dangerous game to play if you don't do it right. If you do it right, it can actually be a very positive thing. Right. And that's why outlining it so clearly was so important to me. Oh, also, one one real quick thing is one of the rules is don't ever put your teeth on me. If we're playing tug and you your teeth even accidentally touch me, the game is instantly over. Which means you drop the toy? No. Which game means is you... over. You walk away with the toy. Which means you ask, ask them to give, reward I would, them no, for the I give. Wouldn't, no. Well, then tell me about that. I wouldn't ask them to give. What I would, would you do? I would, I would take the toy out of their mouth and walk away. Okay. That's important. That's an important distinction. Right. That's an important distinction. All right. So I think hopefully we've left you with some information. If you have any questions after listening to this, please go to our Facebook page, Doggy Dish, on Facebook and... Ask us a question. We'd love to get some questions. Right. Oh, and also, if any of you, if any of you out there are listening to this on iTunes, please rate us or write some reviews. 
we would really appreciate it. Only if they're good. Yes. All right. <laughs> there's, there's that little bit. Thank you for joining us today. This is Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Bye. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.